in 2018. And I realized when I, as soon as I got to the holiday, I was, something had to change because I was burning the candle at both ends. I wasn't, I wasn't being present. The whole idea to do this was to be more available. Yeah. To have ability to be able to do the school run, to be able to pick up the kids from school, to have more time to do our missionary work and so on. And I found I've been doing the complete opposite. So that's when we decided to change the business model and to come back and say, well, what, why did we do this? What are we really good at? And refining what our service offer actually is. And that made a big difference. And one of the questions you had before was around how did we move from, you know, the mat doing all the consulting to, you know, having a procure spot offering because it was a big challenge. That was one of the biggest challenges because my network wanted me. Hi, and welcome to the Entrepreneur Organization Business Podcast. I'm your host, Lynn Pedetti. My guest today is Matthew Armour from ProcureSpot and Bidio, the two companies that specialize in procurement and supply chain management. He is here to share with us his experience in balancing business growth with a large family of nine children, whilst also thriving in his role as a missionary. Join us as we uncover the challenges and triumphs Matthew has faced on his journey from a side hustle with his wife to a seven-figure business. Matthew is going to inspire us that we can indeed make it all work. Family, serving the community and running multiple businesses. Well, please join me in welcoming Matthew. Hey, Matthew. So good to have you on today. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks for inviting me. Okay. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you because we have a lot of things in common. I was from Melbourne. You're from Melbourne. I don't have as many kids as you, but I, I am also a Christian. So I'm so excited to talk to you today. And definitely, and kind of deep dive into how you scaled your business, went from a side hustle to, you know, to an established business. And now you're, you've joined EO. So I'm so excited to have you as a, a colleague at EO as well. So welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah. So let's, you know, backtrack to your story. I know you live in Sydney now. You used to live in Melbourne. And yeah, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. Okay. So born and bred in Melbourne, grew up in a Christian Catholic family. So had all those values in, instilled into me. Didn't mean I wasn't a rebel. So I did kind of uh, rebel against a lot of my faith and, and so on. But um, I grew up, I wouldn't say I was born into privilege uh, by any chance, but I was, you know, brought up in a very loving family, three brothers. I'm number three. And yeah, so how did we come to be in Sydney and to be operating a business? So, well, in 2000 and... Well, my wife and I offered ourselves to be missionary, to go anywhere in the world. And our ticket was pulled out for Western Sydney. So that's how we ended up in Mount Druitt. I was a public servant for 22 years. So I worked for federal public service for 10 years. Then I went to the public service in Victoria. Then when we got sent to Sydney, I worked in New South Wales government for a few years. And then in 2016, I just felt I was doing a massive commute every day from the West and I thought of starting a side hustle. And over the many years in, in government, I picked up some skills, lo and behold. And so I decided to start a bid management company or, or to help small businesses uh, get their systems in place to uh, compete for those larger contracts with government. And so that side hustle turned into you know a real thing within months. And so I turned 40, had eight children at the time, and I decided to go all in with the business. So I took a massive risk 
I must also say that 50% shareholder of my business is my life partner and wife, Rebecca, and uh, couldn't have done it with, without her. And so she'd been out of the workforce for some time, obviously, and we, we started this business called ProcureSpot. And it just opened up a, a whole new world for us, it made so many mistakes, you know, going into it. And it was all about, you know, creating that lifestyle and so on. And, uh, but I just found myself in this kind of, on this mouse wheel, just running, running and you know, burning the candle at both ends. And, you know, it was making okay money, but it was all me. Uh, the clients wanted me and I really didn't have any real structure or vision to really help me get to where I was hoping to get to with, with the business. And so in, I started picking up some clients that were from EO Melbourne. And they were encouraging me to join Accelerator, which is uh, Accelerator. And, and I was like, yeah, sounds great, you know, but it took me two years to bite the bullet. So I joined Accelerator in um, October, 2020. I'll never forget it. Walked into a strategy day just after the first lockdown. I was just like blown away. And I was just like, I, you know, going through the Rockefeller habits. And I was like, I don't meet any of these, <laughs> you know, and I was like, well, this is the place for me. I just got a really great feeling. And, and uh, so that's how I came to be, you know, part of the EO community, which I love. And, and also I've been able to scale and kind of get over many challenges that I've had in, in business, but not just business, but also in my personal life. And also, you know, kind of closes the whole circle for me, you know, business community and, and also, you know, my personal goals and, and my faith. Amazing. So Matthew, you really amazed me because you came from a, I guess, Christian faith and you were a, it's a, doing ministry. I'm so surprised at how you got into the business mindset. And then also I want to start asking you about how you managed to do all that with eight or nine kids. Having faith is amazing. I became a Christian and I really gave me peace and all that. But at the same time, it also makes you a little bit confused about how you should run your business because, you know, you kind of get caught up with the hustle of the world and then you kind of need to remind yourself that, no, you've got, you know, you've got God beside you and you should stay humble and and calm. And so, yeah, any kind of feedback or, or insights into your own journey, journey as a Christian and a business owner? Yeah, I think actually EO really helped me with this because one of the things that I hadn't done before joining Accelerator was look at what are the core values of our business. And that really helped. So we had to, you know, really deep dive into well, what how do we want our business to be perceived in in the market? And our number one core value is human first and really bringing in that spirit of service. Yeah. So, you know, human first, everything we build is judged on how well it serves our customers, yeah, our end clients. And and that really helps drive a lot of the you know, the values and the integrity that we want um, and the culture within within our business that, you know, everyone that comes into our business, you know, we have this spirit of service that we go that extra mile for our for our clients. And and I believe we do that. I believe we, you know, one of the our core values is humility, yeah, but driven by ambition, but, you know, really to keep that, you know, that humble mindset as well. But um, so f- for me, you're right. It, it it is a challenge because you can be perceived as you know you know this kind of capitalist type, you know go getter. But for me, it's been made a lot easier in the sense that I I truly believe. I'm not sure if you had the same experience, but I truly believe that I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing, 
And, you know, and it's not just about scaling a business and making, you know, trying to build something that's sufficient and runs without me. And one of the things is having that kind of personal, big, hairy, audacious goal. And for me, it's to be a full-time self-funded missionary. So mm-hmm. it's actually helped to drive that uh, kind of goal, you know? Yeah. That's where, where we're going. And, and in terms of, you know, insights uh, into, you know, there, there, there've been many challenges in, in running a business, especially when you run the business with, uh, with, with your wife, um, and, you know, it, making decisions and, and, you know, wanting to, you know, we, we both are faith-based, uh, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs. So it's, it, it can be, yeah, there can be a dichotomy, you know, like even to, sit here and be interviewed by you, it's like not a natural thing for me um, to mm-hmm. put myself out there because it's kind of, you know, I haven't been brought up to to kind of be, you know, the centre of attention, even though I quite like it. I used to be involved a lot in musicals and I used to be a really good singer and uh, was in a band. And so I am used to putting myself out there, but it's not a natural thing, you know. I have to put on that extrovert. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if I really answered your question, but... Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I was just curious also then, are you still doing ministry work while you're running a business? Yes. So our principal reason for being in Sydney is, is the missionary work that we do in Mount Druitt. And, and, and we live here. We've lived here for, for 10 years. And, yeah, so we have a very uh, regimented week and our days are, are full, uh, are very full. Uh, because all the missionary work is done um, outside of hours and on weekends and so on. So it's, um, yeah, so to a general day in the life, you know, I wake up around 4.20 every day. I'm in the gym by quarter to five. You'll do a workout, um, work out with a mate, and uh, and then come home, pray, and then we're in the day. So everything's done in units of time. So then it's getting ready for school time. So all the kids are getting up and, you know, they're making their bed, they're getting dressed, they're coming down for breakfast, packing their lunch, and then, you know, getting ready. You might be wondering how we transport nine kids around. We have a big high-ass van with 12 seats. And so we, we pack them in, we do the school run, we come home and, you know, I go to the office or I work from home, whatever it is, and, um, and, and we're in, in the working day. Um, oh, amazing. So, you know, I love that you've got your businesses, you're serving God, you're, you know, serving the people, and then you've got nine kids. So let's talk about the nine kids. You know, what, did you always wanted a big family? How did it get to nine kids? And what are some of the challenges in raising these kids? And how old are they? All right. First of all, why? So my wife is one of 10 children. She's the second eldest of 10 kids. And so when I was going out with her, one of the things I noticed was I loved that they always ate together. So dinner time, everyone was around the table and I was really attracted to that. And I always thought to myself that if I could do it, I'd love to have a big family as well. And, and also, you know, uh, we kind of had that mindset that leave, leave this up to the will of God in terms of let him build our family. And, you know, it was a bit scary and it wasn't easy. It's not easy because also people you know, look at you and sometimes, you know, ask you, why don't you have a television? All that kind of stuff. You know, we get all that. But um, the ages, so the eldest is 19. So we have six girls and three boys. 
So we have two girls first, 19 and nearly 18. And then we have three boys in a row. So 16, 14 turning 15 and 12 turning 13. And then we have four girls. So None of them are twins. They're all twins. just... All single births. Wow, that is amazing. Okay, so uh, I guess uh, me being a parent as well, having three kids, after I had this, the third, I was like, no more. How would you say it feels like after you've had the third or fifth or tenth, like does it get better? Does it get easier? Is that why? Hey, you... Yeah, you don't really feel it after three. You just go numb. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it is, you know, like we felt the third one. We felt the third one because it was like, you know, we could deal with two and, you know, take one each and we're in public or whatever. And the third one's like, well, someone has to do a little bit extra, you know. So there's a little bit of that. But then, you know, look, if you're not routined, if you don't have things worked out, it can be quite overwhelming, I would say. But, but you know, and sometimes it is overwhelming. Like we do have a regimented, quite a regimented schedule. However, you know, it doesn't always go to schedule and things come from left field and you need to, you know, roll with the punches as well. So, yeah. yeah. And what has it taught you having nine kids? It's taught me a lot because I grew up, there was only four of us boys. Yeah. I never had girls in the house. I never grew up with girls. So I didn't even know, even when I got married, I didn't even know what it was like to live with someone, um, a female. So, you know, having girls, you know, first of all, that it, it's taught me. You know, uh, well, look, it's taught me how to be a father and, and a husband, uh, first of all, but also to serve. That's not all about me, you know, because I I had everything done for me growing up. You know, it really taught me that I had to, you know, serve the family, you know, not just with my wife always tells me, don't buy me flowers because my love language is actions. <laughs> there was this really good um, there's really good TikTok. There was a guy saying, This is how I flirt with my wife and there he is cleaning the toilet bowl. Yeah, so if you sum it all up in terms of like how did you manage, you know, work life balance with the nine kids and then now scaling your business? And is it helpful now that so when you started your business were the kids a bit older then? Well, 2016, we started the business. So we had, you know, we still had kids in nappies at that stage. Uh-huh. So it wasn't like, it was crazy what we did. Mm-hmm. Start the business. Like, it was nuts. I had a really cushy job, good money in the public service. Oh. And it was like, well, what are you doing? You know, like it was really risky. But for me, I just felt like I was unfulfilled. I was unfulfilled in my work life and I always had good ideas and was always working in high-performing teams in government, right? Mm-hmm. And thought, well, maybe I could build my own high-performing team and maybe we could do something impactful that, you know, could, can do well. And, and so I've never looked back. But what was really important for me, having, you know, all the kids, having a big family, having a very, very busy life with no work involved, then running a business, one of the things that was important was to find a, a structured approach to mm. scale, yeah? Mm. And and that's what EO gave me, yeah? Mm. Accelerator gave me that structured approach to scaling a business. And it also gave me that community as well. The community was really important for me because I have a really good community in my kind of church life and all that kind of thing. But in my work life, I found my tribe. You know, and uh, and that's been very important. Like the you know the accountability group that I w- I was in in Accelerator was fantastic. You know, they 
was able to share and go deep with things. And and that's that was really important. But that structured approach to scaling the business was really vital. And that only yep, yeah, when I joined Accelerator, I was under three hundred K. I was turning over less than three hundred K Aussie. And that's gone five times and since graduating from the program. Yeah, that is such an amazing result. So what did you do to take yourself from being that consultant that people needed you to turning the business to scale without you? Because you obviously need it because you are, you know, running a big family and also doing your missionary work. So it's so important that you remove yourself from being dependent on the in the business. One of the really critical things I had to do was develop our processes. So they'll end-to-end processes and really have them mapped out and so that anyone could jump in and do a particular, you know, like if it's building a quality management system or if it's, you know, running a tender, to have that those processes really ironclad. That was really, really important because I was able to build a business on me, on on the services that I provided to our clients. And if I'm growing we need to maintain that same quality. And so that was really important. Also, the other thing that was really important was people. So one of the things that um, was kind of critical for us was to attract and retain really good people, but also that could live our core values. So I think, you know, I know I've, I've just watched this morning the three C's, Lynn, that you in the other day, and I agree. You know, but culture for me is the num- number one, you know, culture is really important in the business. So, and, and that's what we want to, you know, show to the world that this, uh, the culture that, you know, working with ProcureSpot, it's a, it's a really positive place to work and, and really rewarding work that we do. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, when I hear your story, you just make everything seem so easy, but the things you do is so big, meaning, you know, having nine kids or you know, taking a leap from a comfortable job to starting a business and yet you made it successful. Is this your first business as well? Yeah, it's our first business. Okay. So two businesses now. So so ProcureSpot is the, the main consulting business. And in 2018, we reinvested proceeds to build an online tendering platform called Bidio. Mm. And so that's been, that was, you know, a bit of a work dream of ours to have a an offering to the market that could, you know, give insights, you know, and where you don't have to dig for your value that it's presented to you. So that's been, yeah, so we have two. two yeah. So you got two businesses and then you've also got your faith work that you do. And so what is it that you tell yourself that makes you, you know, you're such a, you believe in yourself to take that leap, to do things that's so scary. I mean, if I was to ever imagine having nine kids, I don't know, I would, like straight away, even at the fourth game, I'm like, oh my God, like I will have all these negative beliefs, but I would just love to kind of, understand your mindset and how you deal with things because the, the things that you're going for is quite huge and uncomfortable. Yes, that's a really good question because for the first, I would say for the first three years of running the business, I was just following the rolling ball. Like I was literally just following the rolling ball. So, you know, we started off as bid management consultants and then we moved into ISO consulting and that was going well. And But I was just kind of following this rolling ball. And at the same time as having this really big life outside of that kind of work environment. And it wasn't until we, we went overseas, not with all the kids, we took the four older kids on a pilgrimage through Italy in 2018. And I realized when I, as soon as I got to the holiday, I was, something had to change 
because I was burning the candle at both ends. I wasn't I wasn't being present. The whole idea to do this was to be more available, yeah, to have flexibility, to be able to do the school run, to be able to pick up the kids from school, to have more time to do our missionary work and so on. And I found I've been doing the complete opposite. So that's when we decided to change the business model and to come back and say, well, what? why did we do this? What are we really good at? And refining what our service offer actually is. And that made a big difference. And one of the questions you had before was around how did we move from, you know, the Matt doing all the consulting to, you know, having a procure spot offering because it was a big challenge. That was one of the biggest challenges because my network wanted me. That was a government client or a small business client. They wanted me. And it was very challenging. And one of the things we had to had to do was, well, maybe we needed to let some of those go in order to, you know, business we're meant to be. And we did. We left quite a bit of money on the table in doing so, but it's enabled us now to to scale and have a really ironclad service offering and build a really robust and high-performing team around our services. Okay, that's amazing. So I guess what tip would you give to people who, because the way you've managed your life in, in such a way, I'm so amazed that I think there's people out there that are like, look, I don't want to have kids yet because it's going to affect my business goals and, and vision or, you know, I can't do, I can't get married yet because of this or I can't, I can't because of this. Now, like, yeah, what tips would you be able to give to them to make them realize that you can have it all if you do what? You need to jump. And I only saw the positive in it, you know, like we, and so we were actually, yeah, so there was a senior public servant. I can't even remember the gentleman's name, but he was probably like a deputy secretary in the federal government. But I was, I was a young guy and I was full of ambition in to extend my career in the public service. And, and he says, you know, building a career in the public service and, and putting yourself out there is a bit like jumping out of a plane, yeah, in that you don't really know whether your parachute will work or not. There is always that kind of thought at the back of your mind. And um, if it works, great. If it doesn't work, it doesn't hurt for too long. So so my advice would be take the leap of faith and back yourself because there will be setbacks and we've had major setbacks. One recently, quite a major setback and, you know, really – uh, was able to see a lot of the positives in it and it wasn't meant to be. We weren't meant to, you know, there was a, a bit of betrayal there and so on. But, you know, I was like, you know, that's okay. Yeah, we've got we've got the recipe for, for scaling and for, for being the business that we need to be for the services that we provide. So jump and back. Jump yeah, and back. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. You know, the more I know about God and, and the Bible, the more I can kind of relate to those verses where, you know, God has better plans for you or, you know, yeah, it's just the, there's a lot of yeah. things that I need, I need to kind of rely on faith to actually get through a lot of the setback in business. So, yeah, amazing advice. Now, I would love to ask the last question, uh, which I always love to ask the audience is, what do you want the world to remember Matthew for? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I would like the world to remember me as someone with who led a team that made a difference. So for example, the two businesses that we run right now is a means to something else. And I've always had a, a passion and a dream to work with young people, disadvantaged young people. So I would want to be remembered for someone who founded a not-for-profit that made a real difference for the young people, not just in Western Sydney, but who knows? Yeah. So I don't know when that's going to be, and I don't really know exactly what that looks like right now, but I want to be remembered as 
the person or as someone who influenced some really great outcomes for the young people of our next generations. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much, Matthew, for spending time with me today. I'll make sure to put all your details in the description of our YouTube video. So yeah, once again, thank you. And I look forward to seeing you in person soon. Thanks, Lynn. Been great to be here.